Welcome back to the Culture Base Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dustin P, and with me as always, Blake Bayer. What's up, Blake? Hey, it's nice that uh, two episodes is always. Yeah, we're uh, <laughs> it's a habit now. Uh, we were the first time it was just we're just testing the waters now it's a habit for us we're super excited to talk to you today about why hr isn't working but i want to remind you the reason we're here is to help leaders know what they're about show where they're going and develop a scalable team to get there also before we get started i want to remind you if you're listening to this podcast episode to subscribe rate review share with your friends all those types of things helps us to further this platform and the conversation that we're having with you. We do release content every week. If you're watching on YouTube, go ahead, give us a thumbs up, like, subscribe, ring the bell so that you know when we have new stuff. And who knows, we might go live sometimes with these things. Uh, we've never talked about that before until right now. Look at Blake's face. Yeah, I was, I was like, okay, online. <laughs> Why not? Uh, on Instagram uh, and LinkedIn, we're at the culture base. And then, of course, the culture base.com. Uh, so yeah, we're going to get into this thing. Uh, we get, uh, I kind of the conversation that really kind of started the whole thing. And if you want to go back to episode one, you can kind of hear how the, the culture base started and some backstory of who Blake and I are and all these different things. Right. Um, but one of the things that we kind of discussed early on is that HR just isn't working. Mm. Uh, and Blake hit on this in our first episode where he talked about the phrasing of HR human resources that the fact that we've turned humans into resources and not humans anymore. And so Blake, let's just get into this. I think you have a really cool story you're <clears> going to share with us about why HR isn't working. Yeah. And so obviously this, we're going to think about real provocative titles to grab attention, like why HR isn't working. This doesn't mean HR isn't good. Okay. So I want to just say that right out the gate. So I don't Except have for Toby Flinderson. And if you don't understand that reference, yeah, I can't help you. Worst. Um, but HR does a lot of really good things for you. The amount of compliance, the amount of making sure y'all don't get sued. That's good. I would put that in the pros section of things. So I don't want to make it sound like HR is just this lifeless, like fun sucking leech. They do great stuff, great stuff, but we have started to be, they have started to become that section where we're like, I don't know what to do with this. Sounds like HR. Not sure where we put this. Let's throw it to HR. And because they are so, they tend to be so highly processed and regulated, they get the thing done. But a lot of times they get it done within the culture of compliance and the culture of doing things to the, to the nth degree or the letter of the law and and it misses the bigger picture why we do everything that we do as organizations at times. So this is not to demonize HR. This is to say we need to take the stuff that HR shouldn't have because first off, they don't even like it. Second off, they don't want to be doing these things and, and put it into the right place and put it into a place that is way more creative, way more collaborative in nature. Um, and that looks at opportunity before it looks at limitation. Okay. Mm. So that's a whole lot to say there um, about this. I do think there is, there's this really good story I came across recently that, um, do you remember Nokia? I do. You know, the, do you remember Nokia? They had, it was the non-flip phone cell phone. But weren't like they their, like the first? I, I want to say they were one maybe. of the firsts. Maybe. I know my first uh, cell phone was a Nokia. 
Me too. 100%. Me too. And the uh, the only reason I wanted it is because it played Snake on it. I don't know if you remember <laughs> that game. You I don't think my head games. Oh, okay. I barely had texting. Yeah. Well, this the first one I saw, I don't think, did have texting. And it was, you just up, down, eat these little apples without running into your tail. It's okay. probably not the point of this podcast, but I remember it. It was like core memory kind of stuff for me because I remember my mom had one and I would sit in her car and play it for hours upon hours. And uh, yeah, it was great. Where are they today? One of the big questions, where is their impact happening today? And I'm not saying that they're they're not around. They are still around. But back in 2014, uh, Microsoft made this big decision to purchase Nokia. They were already kind of struggling in the mobile phone industry. But they were like, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to buy Nokia. They have a lot of good advancement and great skills when it comes to hardware with phones, right? They've been around doing the phone stuff probably one of the the early adopters and early innovators. And they said, okay, let's, let's buy them. We're ridiculously good at software. And we, Microsoft did this because they said, we need to be in the smartphone industry. We need to be moving in this because we're already behind the, the eight ball and we're behind here and we need to get ahead. So Microsoft was like, here, let's take our culture for Nokia and the culture for Microsoft. And then let's take this ability to bring all these divisions together and create the greatest smartphone known to man. I'm still not sure what it's called, but they said, let's throw this to our HR department because they are going to be able to mix all of this stuff so well. This wouldn't be on a podcast about why HR isn't working if that was successful. Okay, it wasn't. All of a sudden uh, they had huge issues happen the, the culture of Nokia was vastly different than the culture of Microsoft. The processes they had, they didn't understand what kind of things hardware people needed in the mobile phone industry. And so this HR team was really trying to even look for talent that didn't line up with the way that Nokia looked for talent. And so because they just had a misalignment to the culture, they had a misalignment to understanding the processes and flows and how everything even worked together because it does take so many different parts and pieces to um, a corporation that does a thing to understand that and then put it into play with another one. Like it, that is, this is like master level shit here. And we threw it to the HR department. I love how you said earlier that HR is kind of the catch all. Mm -hmm. uh, right. Like they're the ones that when no one knows where this is supposed to go or who's supposed to take on this, this new initiative or this new thing, right. Much like yeah. Microsoft, uh, give it to HR Yeah, uh, because you're right. They are, they are full of getter donors. Yes. Um, they, they know how to get it done because they're full of incredible systems and processes that have been honed, uh, over the years. It's incredible. Yeah. Well, and even when they did this, they started struggling with innovation because they were so focused on all these operational hiccups and all these other HR issues that they weren't even being innovative because they were in survival mode, not creative mode. And so that happens. They start losing all of their top level developers. They just fled immediately. They were like, we're done, we're out. So now this thing that was supposed to take this great, like collaborative hardware, with this software, we said HR is definitely the glue on this one. And then they put them together and guess what? It all fell apart. And now we don't see that they're making great 
like great innovative strides in the smartphone industry. Not that they're not doing stuff again, they're doing great stuff, but it's, it, it fell apart because they gave it to HR. And again, I'm not, not demonizing HR. HR is great, but we got to look at the reasons why HR shouldn't be in this place. That's right. Number one, limited experience. Like what experience does HR have? And, and let's just keep this real high level. Let's not even go hardware, software of Nokia and Microsoft. Let's just say in business, what expertise do they have in taking a vision of something and integrating it in such a way that it happens? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, I think people, especially who go through HR stuff are spending way more time focused on compliance and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so sure. they don't have a direct experience or expertise in the field that they're going into. We take right. these people who are high level, broad understanding, and we put them into positions and roles that we're expecting them to come out with some really innovative thought, but really they're trying to make sure you don't get sued and that you do things correct. And they do great at process, but again, process without a why tends mm. to just get things done, you know, and not actually move the needle. So yeah, there's, there is just, um, yeah, there's a lot of reasons why that's not a great idea, especially in the vision side. Um, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, I mean, they, they, they just kind of lack the resources, uh, that they need in order to be successful in this department because culture isn't, um, I'm going to, I'm going to say this and this might, this might sound a bit off, but culture is not a resource. Mm. Culture is not a resource. Culture is, uh, who you have totally enveloped your, uh, people and your team to be. And so, uh, when we when we talk about human resources, that's exactly what it should be. It should be a resource for humans, not humans that are resources. It should be a place for us to go when we have questions uh, about our insurance and about our benefits and about policy and about what we can and can't do and and all those types of things. They're really really great uh, with those things, but we have to understand that culture is not a resource culture is, is all encompassing. And I think oftentimes, uh, HR kind of lacks those, that particular set of, of, of skills yeah. and that particular set of resource resources. Yeah. Um, usually like HR also happens to be kind of the, one of the lowest staffed teams, yeah. right. Or departments on the entire thing. They think one person can do all of this and it just gets piled and piled and piled on them. And so you're telling me that you're asking, uh, a person who is overworked, underdeveloped, underappreciated to be in charge of your culture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't see that going well. It's so funny because when we talk about these things, like it sounds ridiculous. Yeah. Like it sounds just, what are we thinking? And like you, you're able to tell when you walk up to someone, if they're busy, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can just, you get that sense that they're like, uh, yeah. Hey, what's up? Like that never seems yeah. like, yeah, let's have a conversation. George Costanza on Seinfeld said if the best way to look busy to always look annoyed. <laughs> so he would sit there at his desk and he'd be like this, be like rubbing his head and somebody walking be like, <sighs> yeah, what do you mean? Oh, you look really busy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's so true. And the thing is, 
is people in HR, like tell me about an HR person that doesn't look that way, mm. that doesn't look exhausted. Yeah, absolutely right. Because what are their, their, they live in a responsive world, right? Yeah. A very responsive world. What do you need? How, oh, we got a problem. Like they're the, you got a problem with need? something. We got to go, yeah, what do you need? What do you need? Like we've got that type of person and now they're supposed to all of a sudden know how to take a vision and create a team around that vision. I don't think so. They're just trying to get stuff done. They are exactly. And they tend to be very task oriented people, which mm -hmm. is awesome. That is yeah, what you them. need in that position. Yep. But I don't got know it. that they should be the people who are trying to figure this out here and trying to figure out where you need to go. Um, yeah. They have to be very professional and they, so leaning into the emotional, they don't have margin for that. And to even like hear emotional things, like they're a lot of times they're just like, nope, uh, I checked that box. That box is done. Please don't put that box back on my desk. Okay. Enough said, <laughs> yeah. enough done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they have, and I think maybe one good thing to do is go to your HR people and have them in their own words, tell you about your core values. Mm. Tell them about your culture. Have them, have them explain it to you. If they can't, red flag <laughs> because aren't they the person you're putting in charge of all this stuff? Yeah. I was just and, thinking like when you go through onboarding at most places, who's the one that sits down with you and does onboarding, right? It's usually HR because they're more, they're, they're like, Oh, well you're already there going through all the benefits packages and vacation policies and things like that. Why don't you just go ahead and fill them in on our culture? Right. <laughs> yeah. And again, that's who we're handing it to. Yeah, absolutely. Insane. And have you ever known HR to be like, really excited when change happens. <laughs> no. Yeah. They love change. No. Um, maybe a core value for them actually. Yeah. They hate change. And so when things need change, like even a simple process or a policy that you have, Hey, we, we probably should change this policy because of, you know, it doesn't fit what we're really about anymore. And we don't have that kind of a team structure. We need to update that policy and procedure. I promise the next thing you see is that George Costanza thing you're talking about. The person, gosh, you freaking, are you sure we need to like, cause we, we've got this across all our platforms and yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll get much, on it. I'll put it on my time, list. How much time is it going to take for us to get our team up to speed on this new system and all this other headache and right. It's crazy. Well, let me ask you this. Let's yeah. move on to an, uh, our kind of second part of, of this process. Who who stands in the way of improvement when it comes to HR not working anymore? And, we, and we're getting we're going to the back half of this. We're going to talk about a lot of solutions. Yeah. But who stands in the way, Blake, of improvement in this area? Whoever's supposed to be in charge of the culture and the value that you're trying to create and the vision you're trying to create. That's not to say that person has to be everything there. And I think that's why Usually it's the leader, right? Whoever the leader of the organization is, if, if they don't have some element or hand in the culture and in the values of the organization, they will, they will just destroy it and cause it to implode every time they open their mouth. Right. So you 100% have to have that person as, the, as speaking the vision and direction. And then whether it is some integrator, if we're speaking in EOS terms or like traction-based terms, someone to take that vision and put it into play. Um, whether it's taking some fractional group, 
i.e. the culture base, you know, who understands how to clarify, identify and amplify all of these areas, of vision, culture, attracting the correct people, onboarding the correct people with the right brand that you're trying to go with in the future and in the current, how to develop teams and people, and then how to implement retention plans and strategies. Unless you have that, or you have that internally, you have a whole team who focuses on that, who are not HR because you need creativity, you need curiosity, you need collaboration in these things. And I know that the reason why leaders don't do that is because they're exhausted. They're exhausted. They're tired. They've got the HR uh, resting bee faced, right? They've got that same thing going on. Um, I, I get it. I know that it's exhausting, but there has to be an element of you within that. There has to be an element of the leadership because the thing that destroys culture the quickest is when leadership acts outside of the supposed culture. That's right. Everything rises and falls on leadership. We've all heard that a thousand times, including your culture, including the team atmosphere and environment. What we talk about when we talk about culture, we talk about environment and listen, someone has to own it. Mm-hmm. Right. And here's, here's what I want to make sure that Blake uh, said this, but I just want to reiterate this. It doesn't have to be the leader. If you're the leader, if you're at the top of your organization, it doesn't have to be you. I don't want you to feel like, great. Now it's one more thing. I have to be one more notch. I have to put on my belt, one more title. I have to add, uh, to the, to my email signature, right? It doesn't have to be you, but it does have to be fed by you, uh, in the, in the vision that you have for where you're going as an organization, but someone has to own it, whether it's someone outside of your company, like the culture base or someone inside your company, uh, like a, like a full-time developmental director or something like that. You have to have it, have to have it. Yeah. And, and with that, this person, especially if you are a scaling organization, okay, that, which means scaling, which HR hates the idea of this, is constant change and constant ad- adaptation and having Sorry. to go through the same cycle of growth and scaling. If this person, organization, or internal group does not know all the differences between the three pillars of business, which is IE, your sales and marketing, then your operations, and then your finance, admin, HR, as the third, if they don't understand how all of those work together and they speak together and how uh, even the internal structure organization of each of those departments, if they don't understand that stuff, there is no way in hell they're going to be able to create a culture and to find the right people. How do you go find an operational person if you don't Mm. understand operation? How do you find the right sales person whose personality is vastly different, not necessarily cultural, connection is different, but their personality is vastly different than an operational person or an HR person. How, how do you find that stuff if you don't know what it's made up of? Yeah, you can't. You can't understand the whole by, by not understanding the parts too. And that's the problem yeah. is they tend to only understand things at their face value, which is great when they're doing the stuff they're great and gifted at, but not right. great when you're putting them in charge of finding and attracting the right people. They can't even speak to a lot of times your core values, your culture. They can't speak of what it is to be a salesperson. And yet they are tasked with finding the right salesperson who now hits your right culture that they don't understand. Like, mm, there's a reason these are some of the, the people, headhunters tend to be the top paid people in our nation. There's a reason that good ones should get paid for what they do. 
but you're going to pay a ton for it. Yeah, for sure. So we talked about the problem. Uh, we're feeling that tension now. Let's move into the answer. What is uh, what is the answer? And I just, I just want to kind of set ourselves up here on this question before I toss it back to you, Blake. I think I think for, for an experience that I've seen, um, the answer comes down to identity or what we call it the culture based identifying. So when we when we talk about uh, the culture based process, the middle section is identified. And the reason it's there is because you have to be able to identify uh, the right people for the right role at the right time in the right place. And so if you can't clearly identify, which starts with defining, right? We hear that kind of similar tones in the words there, right? We need to define, but then we need to get to identify and, and who we're, who we are, who we're going to be as a company, what we're going to be about, what we're going to be known for, right? So that we have to identify that first. But Blake, what do you also see as the answer to the problem of HR not working? Yeah. I mean, I, I think first off, I think you're spot on there and I don't know that I have a ton to add to that. Um, I think the from a visionary and, and in that role, I tend to be a visionary integrator as well. So I get to see both sides. And I think that's why um, I, I can live in the sky, but I can also be down on the ground to implement mm -hmm. these things. Clarifying your vision and clarifying exactly what Dustin just said, clarifying what you want to be known for and how you want to be known for the people in your industry doing what you do. If you cannot clarify that, it, it might, all of the rest just falls on deaf ears and it should fall on deaf ears. And I think that leaders, and this is my big call to leaders here. I think you as leaders have got to believe that you suck at communication. I think that's the first thing is if like, if you can just believe that maybe saying what your core values are one time to your team might not have done the trick. Telling people what you stand for and what you don't stand for and then when things happen in the day-to-day, -day, being able to clarify that, hey, that's not us. Like, hey, our, our flow is not being a team that's hard to work with. We want to be really easy to work with. Um, if you can't clarify those things to someone, uh, whether that's, again, a trusted integrator, a team within your organization, a fractional team like ourselves at the Culture Base, if you can't do that, you're going you're gonna to really struggle to get that to the rest of your team who's actually driving the car. If you can't yeah. have that strategy and clarify uh, what, what it is you want, and then like Dustin said, identify the right people who fit there. If you can't clarify it, you won't be able to identify the right people. Yeah. Okay? And if you can't clarify it, you won't be able to onboard the right people and work through those things. So um, 100%, like, and then, sorry, I, I'm even thinking here, then those people that you attracted, you onboarded, now you're going to develop them and they may hate this work and you're going to spend even more dollars developing the wrong people. Yikes. Like, this is where we got to spend some time believing that it just might be true that you are not the right person um, mm. or that you're not really good at communicating this stuff. But what else do you think, Dustin? Yeah, I mean, I think that's everything right there. So I'd love to, I'd love to move to our our next question. I think this conversation lends itself to, uh, or any conversation that we have around culture or a problem that we're seeing in the organization is okay. We've defined the problem. We've talked about what the answer is, but where do we start? Mm. 
so, and I think this is um, a key ingredient for any growing successful leader or organization is you have to be able to self-reflect and self-evaluate as much as possible. And sometimes that means asking other people what they see, right? Yeah. So one of the things I practice all the time is when I really want to know the, the hard answers, I don't just kind of self-reflect to myself. I'll ask those that are closest to me and I'll say, mm. what, what really is it? What are you really seeing here? What's the, what are you afraid to tell me here? And so that's what I want to get at when, when we're ready to start fixing these problems, like why HR isn't working or start to ready, we're ready to start tackling the problems of our culture and, and build the team then that we've always wanted to have, that we've always dreamed of having the work for the company that we've always wanted to work for. Right. And you have to be willing to self-reflect. I think that's one of the places where we start. What do you think, Blake? Yeah, man. Damn, that was good. Um, I think I think also being able to be a, a great question asker. Mm. And I know that's not the, probably the best terminology there, but if you can become like being a good detective is about asking the right questions. It's not about figuring out all the, the problems because sometimes when you're just about checking off a box, like very much like HR is, then you miss bigger problems that were just an inch away from your discovery if you ask the right questions. So becoming really good at asking questions, which by the way, only happens by starting ask questions. Um, one way we've done this in our organization is having cultural feedback loops that are yeah. sometimes anonymous, sometimes put your name on it, we're good with that, or giving the option to where you're asking questions that are right around your culture. They're, they're right around ideas of going next level. Hey, what are your thoughts about doing this? Hey, we're looking to go this direction. What would be our hangups? Asking questions like that to your organization is great and some kind of cultural feedback. Also, questions that aren't great are yes or no's. Um, mm. Like, hey, do you think our culture is great? <laughs> yeah, okay, sure, it's great. Um, there, there's no good feedback there. Do you? Yeah. One, one thing I tell people to do a lot of times, especially if you're like, Oh yeah, we totally value and appreciate our people. You know, if you really appreciate your people and you can't remember the last time you went and actually said something positive or like, Hey, great job on this. Just go do it. Because if yeah. you go up to someone and you're like, Hey, you did a really good job on this. And all of a sudden they get like shoulders hunched up, like not knowing how to respond because they're like waiting for the other foot to drop. Maybe you don't have a very appreciative culture. Because sometimes we need to be able to do things in such a way that we see reaction to actually tell us what environment is like. Instead of saying, hey, do you feel appreciated? If somebody asks me that, I mean, that's a lie straight through your teeth moment. Because like, and the person who's supposed to be doing the appreciating, like, hey, buddy, do you, do you feel like I appreciate you? Like, I don't want to be in that confrontation. Like, yeah. so, and neither do the rest of the people in the world. So doing things and asking questions in such a way they're not yes or no you're looking for actual feedback and then one of the last things that we will do at times and, and we help set this kind of stuff up as well is having what uh the creativity inc the book by uh pixar ed catmull um yeah. he he talks about these notes day like if you're trying to connect yeah stuff like your culture, your values, your team to the vision of your company and direction, man, get the best out of it by having some kind of notes day where you bring up 
one big issue or you ask people, what are the top issues in our company right now? And we're creatively going to try to solve them together. And okay, these are great. What are what are innovative ways we can solve these things? And and yeah. just giving all yeah. of this to your team and they start having collaboration, now that becomes part of your, your strategy for developing re and retention. Because when people feel part of the solution instead of just a resource, man, they're going to give you their best. We have had some of the most creative, innovative ideas in my team and company when we've had these things. Things that I didn't even think were problems all of a sudden get shown. Processes that I thought were gold because guess who came up with them? <laughs> I did. I came up with this golden process. And then someone was like, yeah, but it falls apart right here. And you're like, well, I didn't know that. And it's like, of course, because nobody's focusing on that. We want to believe that the process I throw out there automatically just hits. It doesn't. So those are those are some thoughts I have on that. Yeah. So how can, just to finish up our conversation, how can we take one step uh, in that direction today mm. for, for understanding that HR isn't working? Let me just say, we've kind of hinted on it uh, throughout our conversation already, but you need to have an integrator on your team. You need to have mm. someone that can take the vision and the process to your people, put legs to what you're trying to execute because you as the leader, you're focused on vision. You're focused on the the big dreams. You're focused on the big, massive shifts. And to be honest, this is a very on the ground level type of position. This is very much someone that has to be ingrained in having some intense conversations with people and they have to be comfortable being a set of guardrails mm -hmm. because that's what they're going to be. And so ask yourself, do you have an integrator on your team or do you have someone like the culture base that you can partner with? Uh, and then ask yourself too, what's the, what's the filter question when you're deciding if something needs to go to HR or does something need to mm -hmm. go to the culture vision director? Uh, ask, start asking yourself those questions instead of just throwing everything into the HR bucket and, and thinking that they'll take care of it, they'll take care of it. Because as amazing as your HR team is, if you keep doing that, you're going to lose them. Yeah. What else? Good. How else can we take a step in that direction, Blake? Yeah, I think, I think you're spot on with the integrator. I think the integrator, first off, that's not an easy position to find or fill. They might no. be in your organization. They might not, but they got to have some high level of how everything works together. Like we talked about with the sales marketing ops and uh, finance admin stuff. They got to understand high level how that works. But then I'm telling you, this is where you look for um, either an internal team or a fractional team. Um, like we've been talking about our passion and stuff, looking for that to help support the integrator. It becomes part of the integrator's tool pouch because they're not going to be able to do all this either. There's yeah. too much that goes into strategy, employment strategy, when you should hire, when you shouldn't hire. Um, what kind of people are we looking for? There are so many things that your integrator just needs high level answers to make the right decisions. Yep. And that's why you need to have that team, whether it's fractional or in-house, you've got to have that team that thinks creatively, curiously, and collaboratively. Um, and then, you know what, like, I'm not going to undersell ourselves. Us at the culture base, check us out because we want to help in this stuff. Uh, yes, we want to give you all the information because we want you to understand it. And that's why this podcast is here. We're not just trying to point to us because there are many great organizations, many great teams that already exist and you can have your own internal one. But I also know that scaling sucks and it's hard. And even though it's, I say it sucks, it's really fun. But when you have to focus on the things you're not gifted at to make that scaling happen, that's it where it sucks. Okay. Yeah. 
but I'm going to beg you right now, don't throw it to HR. Don't overburden the team that's trying to keep compliance to your team and help get stuff done. Don't throw them something like this, okay? There is another facet, another role and responsibility level that we haven't thought about in our, our industries. The, the best places to work organizations, they've got them. They've got them. They have this role in this position because they've come to see it. And that's our heart is that you will too. And it's going to, it's just going to help you go next level. That's right. That's what we're all about at the culture base. We care about you and your team and want you to, to thrive and be able to scale. Like we say, we want to help you know what you're about, show where you're going, develop a scalable team to get there. That is our heart at the end of the day, whether it comes from us or someone else or someone as a part of your team, but just understand that this is a super important position that you need to be considering right now. If there's any way that we can help you at all, of course, reach out to us at theculturebase.com. It's a contact form in there. We'd love to speak with you. Also want to remind you about our think tank sessions the last Thursday of each month at 2 p.m. Eastern, where we get to come together with other like-minded leaders, talk about culture, be able to bounce ideas off of each other, understand some, hear some stories of how some things have really worked uh, well and some things that may have not worked so well and be able to learn from each other and sharpen each other in that environment. One hour a month, you have 720 hours in a month. We're going to take one of those uh, and just have an opportunity to come together and sharpen each other. Our next episode on the culture base, we're going to talk about five reasons why your culture is confusing. We talked a lot about clarity and, and, and understanding who you are. We're going to get into that in our next episode. So we can't wait to spend that time with you and we'll talk to you then next time on the Culture Based Podcast.